0: This is Echo Radio, episode 186 for October 2023, with Jane Clyatt on The Witch Trials.
1: Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson.
0: I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 186 for October 2023. Gene Clyatt returns for a fourth installment of English Reformation history, at least in regards to the time period. Jean was first on with me in August of 2021, where he talked about the early days of the English Reformation under Henry VIII and Bishop Thomas Cranmer. In May 2022, Jean returned to talk about England under Queen Elizabeth I, And last November, he talked about England under King James I. For this episode, we get into the witch trials. Jane gives some history as to how they began, talks about how King James brought them from Scotland to Scotland and England, and how they ended up in the American colonies, with Salem being the best known. Video of this episode is available at YouTube, Rumble, and the Echo Zoe Locals page, and embedded in the show notes for the episode at echozoe.com slash 186. At that page, you'll also find an outline of the discussion, a list of scriptures referenced in the episode, additional resources, and related episodes from the Echo archives. Finally, I want to remind everyone about the Christian Podcast Community, and among all of the many excellent biblically faithful podcasts you'll find at the Christian Podcast Community is Gene's daily show, Squirrel Chatter, in which he reads from the Book of Common Prayer and various scripture, and talks about a general topic of the day. Gene's show has been on hiatus since the end of August after his equipment was ruined in a lightning strike, but he'll be starting up again soon. You can find an entire list at christianpodcastcommunity.org, where you can subscribe to all the shows you want to hear directly or subscribe to a community feed and get all of the shows in one giant feed. Show notes for the episode are available as mentioned at echozoe.com slash 186, and that's where you'll find an outline of the discussion and additional resources. With that, here's my discussion with Gene. Gene, it's uh, been almost a year, but great to have you back.
2: Yeah, it was November last year. We were talking about King James and the,
0: the, gunpowder, the plot.
2: gunpowder plot and all of that. that Episode was, that was
0: 175, fun. if anybody's interested.
2: <laughs> Which you will link in the show notes. Um, but I thought today, it being October, and we're, we're right in the middle of the... the for us Christians, it's the Reformation season, but for mm-hmm. the rest of the world, it's Halloween. Um, I thought we could talk about witch hunts.
0: Witch hunts, and uh, yeah, I, I remember you bringing that up in November that that would be a good timely. And November was timely because of the Gunpowder Plot. Remember, right. remember the fifth of November.
2: And we were going to talk in November about witch hunts, but we never got to it because we we got caught up so much in the the Gunpowder Plot. But King James, who was, of course, the the king that that uh, the plotters tried to blow up, when mm-hmm. in Parliament, he is probably the single most responsible person involved with bringing witch hunts into England. They had been going on on the continent for oh, close to a hundred years. Okay, but our so whole so going cons- back to
0: roughly right about the time of the reformation then
2: yeah just before the reformation
0: okay before the reformation so
2: before the reformation um how it came about now of course you have witchcraft had been considered illegal um in europe and there had been some witch trials but most of the time it was you know, if anything, a fine or something like that. Some people had been exiled. Okay. Um, but it wasn't a widespread phenomenon or anything like that.
0: Now, given um, this goes back to prior to the Reformation, is this typically a Catholic thing or are the Protestants doing it too? Or
2: I think it was, yeah, it. once you get to the Protestant Reformation, there was not a lot of disagreement on this okay this was not a topic um because luther actually was you know didn't disagree with the roman catholic views on witches sure and you know we're looking at the witch trials that took place in england were all under protestant um so that's a but it started with a roman catholic Dominican monk.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, there was this guy, his name Heinrich Kramer, and he was a German Dominican. He was a monk and he was part of the Inquisition. Okay. Which was prior to the Reformation concerned with hunting down heresies
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and heresy hunters. Well, he wrote. A book in 1486 called Malleus Maleficarum, the hammer of witches. Okay. Now this guy in reading about him, he reminds me a lot of Alfred Kinsey. You <laughs> remember the, the Kinsey report on, on human sexuality and stuff that came out in the, I think 60s or Not really <laughs> uh, the, the Kinsey report was like the Bible of the sexual revolution. Um, Basically putting forth a anything goes uh, sexuality, which Mm -hmm. obviously we're still suffering from in Western culture. And so Alfred Kinsey had written this study, the Kinsey report about all of human sexuality and stuff. Well, it turns out that he was a pervert. Sure. And a lot of his stuff was not based on evidence and not based on actual research. Just it was just perversion. Just yeah, well, Kramer seems to be an early version of Kinsey. Okay. He was kind of a sess obsessed sex obsessed kook. <laughs> um and he he attempted to investigate and prosecute people for witchcraft in the 1480s and uh most famously in innsbruck what is now austria Uh, there was no nation of austria then but it was Mm -hmm. the city of innsbruck and he ended up being expelled from the city and he was called senile and crazy by the local bishop um, he was a kook, and he was recognized as a kook. He had been obsessed with the sex life of this minor noblewoman in Innsbruck. And all of his questioning of her in the trial that he instigated, he used his power as a member of the Inquisition to go after this woman. And then he was just drill, grilling her about her sexual practices.
0: Okay. And this is <laughs> like, where witch trials came out of.
2: Yeah, because this is this is what uh, like he gets he gets totally castigated by the local bishop. He gets expelled from the city of Austria. He gets actually condemned by the Inquisition. Uh, the Inquisition rejected and condemned his procedures and his positions on witchcraft. Well. In response, Cramer wrote a book called Malleus Maleficarum, The Hammer of Witches. I have a copy of it right here. Nice big coffee table book.
0: <laughs> it's a the coffee hammer. table. It put some legs on table. it and it's a coffee yeah. table.
2: And it's uh, it's nice large print, which my old eyes Ooh. need. Um, it's an interesting read but just some of the things that it it goes into are like um how witches deprive men of their male organ <laughs> causing <Okay>. impotence <laughs> you know i mean it's it, it is as sexually obsessed as you would think it is it's talking about you know he blamed women for you know uh here's question number 11 that witches who are midwives in various ways, kill the child conceived in the womb and procure an abortion. Or if they do not offer non-born children to devils. (laughs) So they're, you know, whether witches can by some glamor change men into beasts. These are just some of the topic headings (laughs) in the book. Um, But he wrote this book as a, kind of his defense and justification for his witch hunts Uh. and the book was condemned by the Inquisition. Um, it, it was, it was never received as official policy by the Roman Catholic church or by the Inquisition, but the book had widespread influence. Um, the book spread much faster than the official uh, declaiming of it. <laughs> uh huh. You know, and it, well, it had sounds a, like it started
0: a, about two hundred years of real problems too.
2: Right. It did because um, it, it. 1486 was when the book was published, and Kramer po- popularized the concept of demonic witchcraft he was the one who took witchcraft the you know practice of folk magic Mm -hmm. basically um and which was a pagan practice there's no doubt but he's the one who kind of welded it to um made it look to be you know see it commonly viewed as intentionally demonic and satanic, where the whole idea of witches are those who have made a pact with the devil in order to receive their magic powers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so this was, the like I said, he's the one who, who caused witchcraft to be viewed as a real and dangerous satanic phenomenon in Europe,
1: Mm.
2: kind of akin to the satanic panic in the eighties, which I was in high school. I was a teenager during all that. And, you know, uh, what was the, what was the name of the preschool that, uh, they actually went after them for. There, uh, there I were remember. prosecutions. I can't remember the name of it, but the, the the story had come out that this preschool had been—I can't remember the name of it—had um, been involved in satanic ritual, and were were uh, um, it was a satanic sexual abuse of the children in the the preschool and everything. Okay, and it turned out that the whole thing was was fabricated um by the investigators. And these child psychologists um instilling false memories into these, you know, three, four, five year old children. Um, but there were stories about like the satanic temple underneath a building that had no basement. You
0: know the (laughs) the McMartin preschool?
2: McMartin preschool, that's it, yes. And, and so it was a, it was a big, big deal in the eighties. And it was this very bad time Mm -hmm. and it was a witch hunt. I mean, it, it fits every definition of a witch hunt. Um, but that the whole concept really started with Kramer in the 1480s
1: Mm.
2: and, you know, 500 years before. Prior to the publication of Kramer's book, witchcraft trials were were rare. Like I said, there've been a few of them. Um, the Inquisition was aimed at heresy, not witchcraft. Sure, they weren't. You know, they weren't concerned with witchcraft. But it was it was Kramer who who um, conflated witchcraft and heresy. And. His book, as I said, was greatly influential. That by the 1500s, um, demonologists, who are theologians who specialize in the study of the demonic, mm-hmm. had become preoccupied with witches. And witch trials were becoming more and more common. So this is you know, 15 years before the Reformation started, that it started to sweep through Europe, um, and like I said, this is an area where there was little disagreement between Protestants and Roman Catholics. Um, you have areas in Europe where that were Protestant controlled that had a lot of witch trials. You had areas in Europe that were Protestant controlled that had very few witch trials. You had areas in Europe that were Roman Catholic dominated, they had a lot of witch trials. And you had areas in Europe that were Roman Catholic dominated that had very few witch trials. So it was a it it, it was one of those things where it was, it was much more regional sure. than it was tied to the doctrine of ecclesiastical it, yeah exactly um it was not something where you know there was a big dispute between the protestants and the catholics mm-hmm. regarding witch trials so that's just kind of the thing but but very rapidly you know by 1500 within within 15 years of its public publication Malleus Maleficarum had become the guide for witch hunts and witch trials.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, It throws out all the rules of, of evidence. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting read, but it had a huge effect Mm -hmm. in Europe. And so our, our modern concept of witches from, you know, your horror movies and all of the, you know, that they're, they've made a pact with the devil and they're, you know, that all comes from, from Heinrich Kramer. Okay. That's not, you know, older than that. So that's kind of the origin. I mean, you had, there's, I think famously you have Exodus twenty two eighteen that says thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And this was one of the, the laws of ancient Israel, and it was dealing with, you know, pagan worship in Israel, all of which was outlawed, and all of which was under the death penalty in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was sure used by Kramer and his heirs, <laughs> those who, who, you know, followed him as justification for these witch trials. But the, 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 the witch in the scriptures was not, you know, an overtly satanic person as much as it was, you know, a fortune teller or, and, and most of them were probably con artists, just like most of the people that you're, you know, gypsy fortune teller
0: at the county shop at the county fair
2: you know and so and and i mean these then and you had the you know the folk healers and and you know herbalists and stuff all got wrapped up into that um so it's it's an interesting thing but the in the 1970s when the modern feminist movement really latched on to uh, witch trials as this misogynist attack on women. They went back to Kramer Mm
1: -hmm. and were
2: looking at what he had written. Well, as I said, he was a sex obsessed kook. He's very much a misogynist. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though the records show that there were actually more men than women accused of witchcraft over the ages Um, that that it became the, you know, the, the feminists talk about, you know, millions of women who were killed by these misogynist witch hunters in (laughs) Europe. Um, I think the numbers are grossly inflated. Yeah. You know, I've heard uh, one, one source I read said a hundred million people were killed in 200 years. That's crazy. And that's ridiculous. They probably weren't.
0: much many more than people than that that lived on all of planet Earth at the time. Right,
2: it's it's like the the stories of you know how many uh, slaves being transported from Africa died on board ship and were thrown overboard so much so that sharks still patrol those waters. Mm. And somebody somebody ran the numbers, and they said basically you would have to have had twenty full slave ships every day who did nothing but take their cargo to the mid-atlantic and dump them off and then sail back for more oh. to have the kind of numbers that yeah was yeah which it's totally inflated
0: well we're going to get into rate. Salem kind of yeah. towards, more towards the end but
2: yeah. the
0: i mean the numbers i've heard on Salem the, on the realistic side were like 200 maybe
2: yeah maybe accused um yeah. i think i'm, I'm not sure of the the deaths I don't have that. Let me see if I have that in my notes here. Uh, scroll down to the I don't end want to get too to, far ahead uh, of ourselves, but yeah, I know, but we'll 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 be getting there. I'm mm-hmm. trying to see how many people were killed. Do I have that in my notes? But I I think there was only I'm thinking 20 or 30 sure that were actually killed. Um And the interesting thing about Salem is that most of the people who confessed to witchcraft weren't condemned and hung. It was those who held out and refused to. Mm. Oh, gosh. Do I have the... I don't have... Let me... Quickly Google how many were killed at Salem.
0: I can do that while you're talking. How
2: many witches (laughs) hung at... Salem. Okay. More than 200 people were accused. 19 of whom were executed. Okay. As well as two dogs. Oh, (laughs) according to Wikipedia. Okay.
0: (laughs) You count the dogs. We're not even up to two dozen.
2: Yeah. We're not even up to two dozen. Let alone hundreds
0: of millions.
2: (laughs) And that was Salem. Like I said, 200 people were accused
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and that, that witch trial yeah, I, I'm
0: curious how, huh? well, I, I don't get ahead of ourselves, but how, yeah, how does a dog commit witchcraft?
2: <laughs> well, how does, yeah, the whole thing is, is, uh, as I said, when you throw the rules of evidence out, which they did, yeah. <laughs> you, you deal with the whole thing. And we think, I mean, Salem is the most famous witch trial case, mm-hmm. at least, especially here in America's. Sure. Um, I think in England, it'd probably be the Pendle witches would be the biggest case there. Um, but Salem really was at the tail end of a hundred years of English witch trials and 200 years of witch trials in general. Mm -hmm. Because by the early 1700s, everybody kind of woke up. (laughs) Yeah. And, and Salem was part of that wake up call. Um,
0: So, how do we get there from? uh, Yes. I'm sorry, I forget his. uh, Is it the the guy in Austria? What's his name? Yeah. Uh, How do we get from Kramer? Kramer. How do we get from Kramer Kramer to to King James?
2: Well, King James, when he was still, you remember, he was King of Scotland before he became King of England. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so, about 15 years before he became King of England. He is king of Scotland. He's been king of Scotland since he was a child. Um, But about his early twenties, it was decided because he was he was ruling on his own, but he was still heavily guided by his advisors as a young man. Obviously, you know, just starting to come into his own, Mm -hmm. having been, you know, a child and teenage king. And in his early 20s, it was decided he needs to wed, he needs to produce heirs. He needs to, you know, as as good kings ought to do, get married and have children. So in 1859, at the age of 23, or excuse me, 1589, not 1850, <laughs> 1589, at the age of 23, he was wed to princess Anne of Denmark
1: mm-hmm.
2: who was age 14. And, uh, they were married by proxy, which was not an uncommon thing for, um, royalty separated by you know, weeks of travel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, travel was not easy in the middle ages, um, And so they were married by proxy in August of 1589. Then in September, Anne set sail for England, for Scotland, from Denmark, but they had to turn back because of storms. And so James learns that, that they had turned back. She writes to James, she blames. Witches and so it begins the, so it begins now the 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 um, motivation for the witches was knowing that the union of James and Anne would be so powerful and such a force for Protestant Christianity that the witches were trying to prevent it <laughs> okay and. So this was the the instigation. So and it had to turn back because of these storms blaming it on witches. Um and so and Denmark was one of the Protestant regions that had witch trials. The witch trials were not uncommon in northern Europe from northern Germany on up. That whole area had had its share of witch trials. Mm -hmm. And so James is now, you know, upset that his bride has not been able to come to him. And so in October of 1589, James sails from Scotland to Denmark. Again, it is a storm plagued crossing but he makes it now we're talking about the North Atlantic in the fall. Storms are not uncommon. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yet these are all being blamed on witches who are trying to prevent this union <laughs> of James and Anne. So, While he's in Denmark, James becomes fascinated with witches, the whole topic of witches. He gets a copy of Kramer's book while he's in Denmark. And he is obsessed, really, with the whole topic of witches and witch trials and witch hunts. So he returns to England or to Scotland and he saw to the strengthening of the Scottish witchcraft act, which had been passed in 1563. He added the death penalty. Mm -hmm. He strengthened the law. He would do the same thing a year after becoming King of England to the English law, where he would make it much more strict. Because England had a law against witchcraft, and he made it much more strict. So this is a, a just a huge subject for him. And uh, so, in the fifteen nineties, in fifteen ninety, the year after the wedding, there are two witch trials: one in Eng- uh, one in Scotland and one in Denmark over the witches that had tried to stop James and Anne from getting together. In Denmark, you have the Kronborg witch trials. That was the town where it took place. And then in Scotland, you have the North Berwick witch trials. Both of these were trials of witches who were accused of working to stop uh And and, you know, sink both Queen Anne's and King James's ships, crossing between Scotland and Denmark. As I said, in the North Sea in November. So in Denmark, the storms ended up being blamed on the wife of a Copenhagen official who had somehow insulted the royal family. Um. There is often a political element to these witch trials. And so six women end up being accused and convicted because she was tortured and she ended up naming five other women. All of them were convicted. Two of them were burned. So that was the Danish side. Okay. Then in Scotland, you had the North Berwick witch trials. They ran for over two years and they implicated over 300 people, noble and commoner alike. And still many of these
0: pe- the, We're still not up in the millions yet though.
2: No, no, we're still <laughs> not up in the millions. Um, And, and nor will we get there. <laughs> so you had... You know, these, these witch trials in Denmark and Scotland, in Scotland, um, many of the people were tortured into confessing and King James actually attended torture sessions. Okay. Um, so this was all being taken place with Royal approval. Um, as I said, he was, he was fascinated by the subject. Mm Mm-hmm. So just a couple of examples, the, the two most famous people in the, uh, in the North Berwick, witch trials were Agnes Sampson. She was supposedly the ringleader of the witches. Well, after she was arrested, this is an elderly woman. She was stripped her head and body were shaved. She was fastened to the wall with what's called a scold's bridle, which was an implement that went into the mouth that had four prongs on it that pressed, two of them pressed against the tongue and two of them pressed against the cheeks. So you were not able to close your mouth. You were not able to talk without causing serious injury. She was deprived of sleep. So she's chained naked to the wall in a cold Scottish dungeon before central heating with this thing in her mouth. And finally she confessed. Okay. Um, the other uh, famous person is a, was a school teacher by the name of John Fane. John Fane had his fingernails all ripped out. He had steel pins stuck into his fingers. He had uh, other indignities inflicted upon him. And he ended up confessing. <laughs> and both Samson and Fane were among those burned as witches as a result of the the North get the name right, the, the North, North Berwick, witch trials. So this was a, the, the start, this is all before James becomes King of England. Mm -hmm. He's just King of Scotland. Well, in 1597, six years before he becomes King, James actually publishes a book called demonology. I have a copy of that right here.
0: <laughs> That's not a coffee table book. I mean, that not, a, not coffee a coffee table, table size book. <laughs> book.
2: <laughs> but this is written by the King of Scotland, later the King of England. The King James of the King James Bible mm-hmm. wrote this book. And it is, it would become the English witch hunter guide for the next hundred years. Hmm. And indeed, it's referenced in the Salem Witch Trials, which are 100 years later. And so this is how the witch trials came to England. Because after James becomes king of England, he strengthens the English anti-witchcraft laws, just as he had in Scotland. And thus began the... Now, Interestingly enough.
0: It all starts with a 14-year-old queen that's upset about storms between.
2: Keeping her away from her husband. (sighs) And having had a 14-year-old daughter, thankfully she's no longer 14. (laughs) (laughs) She's in her 30s and a mother herself. But having had a 14-year-old daughter, um, 14-year-old girls, and this is not meant as any sort of misogynist (laughs) sentiment, 14 year old girls can be the poster children for hyperbole. (laughs) Okay. Everything gets, I mean, everything is a tragedy. Everything is a crisis. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of being a teenage girl. Sure. Um,
0: Well, I have a almost eight year
2: old daughter, so I'll take that as a warning. (laughs) You take that as a warning. Um, Once they're in their early teens um, and, 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 I mean, teenage boys have their own problems too. Oh yeah. I've got a Um, 16
0: year old. I know that
2: one. But teenage girls, everything's a crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, here's this 14 year old girl who can't go be with her new husband. Mm -hmm. And it's the witches. Somebody is, somebody has to be to blame, right? It can't Mm -hmm. just be, Hey, it's fall on the North Sea.
0: (laughs) Especially when you're, I mean, I mean, I was going to say when you're powerful, I mean, you, you take what you just said about a typical teenage girl and you give her, make her a queen of Scotland. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A queen of anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, even just growing up a princess, um, my dad once told me never date a girl whose daddy calls her princess. Cause she tends to believe it. Yeah. Um, some fatherly advice from my dad. Uh, <laughs> so there's a you know there's a lot of there's a confluence of things going on um, and like I said, both of these people were at least nominally Protestant Christians, but this superstition was not addressed by the reformers. It was basically just carried over by the reformers. We talked about several episodes ago when i was on we talked about you know that the reformation was dealing with the gospel mm-hmm. it was dealing with how is a person a sinful person saved from their sin by christ and so we have you know salvation by grace alone through faith alone and christ alone um, the authority of biblical belief the scriptures alone so you had that was the focus of the reformation and they were consumed with that rightly so because they had to deal with that specific issue. But at the same time, there were a lot of peripheral things that they never dealt with because they were focused on more important things. And in a lot of ways, the witch trials and this whole branch of theology called demonology. Um, I mean, and, and that's a legitimate branch of theology, you know, the the study of what the scriptures say about demons,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Satan and demons. Yeah. Um, but it had that branch of theology had been consumed by this witchcraft and witch hunt stuff so that you dealt with, serious issues um, had erupted that, that were not addressed by the early reformers because they were busy with other things. And so, while well, it, it started with a member of the Catholic Inquisition, and even though his positions and methodologies had been um, condemned by the Catholic In- Inquisition, that had spread throughout Europe and from Denmark into Scotland and from Scotland into England. And that's the stream that leads straight to Salem because those were Englishmen Mm -hmm. in the Massachusetts colony in the late 1600s. So in 1603, you have James becoming King of England, And then in the 1690s, you have the Salem witch trials and it's, you know, within a hundred years Yeah, and it's all the same thing. And, and, but during that time, you have a series of witch hunts in England, starting under King James and then reaching its heights during the English civil war, which was I think in a a lot of ways it was opportunism and in a lot of ways it was political expediency Mm -hmm. to, you know, the Royalists would take over a town that had been parliamentarian because it was, it was a fight between the King and the parliament. That was the, The and the parliament, yeah, that was the English civil war. It was the, the King, this, King James was a tyrant. His son Charles, Charles I, was a worse tyrant. To the point that Parliament actually declared war on the king. <laughs> um Parliament at that time was dominated by Puritans. And so you had the English civil war between the Puritan parliamentarian faction and the Royalist faction. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's couched in religious terms as wars often are, yep. that it was between the Anglicans and the Puritans. Um, because each side did have their religious position sure um but you know it, it it was as much as if not more so political than religious mm-hmm. um you had a totalitarian king who wanted who believed in the divine right of kings um, in Charles I and you had these english parliamentarians who believed in a more populist democratic approach to government and they were at odds um you also have the fact that the king was a spendthrift and was bankrupting the country and all of the spending bills had to go through parliament (laughs) Mm. so this there was quite a bit of conflict going on there and so that was the origins of the english civil war and the english civil war was a good backdrop For witch hunts, because I say the the parliamentarians would take over a royalist town, and there'd be a series of witch trials to get rid of, you know, (laughs) political opponents. Um, The the royalists would take over a town, and there would be a series of witch trials to get rid of parliamentarian uh, uh, proponents.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And probably the most famous person regarding witch trials to come out of the English civil war was a guy by the name of Matthew Hopkins. Now he was born around 1620. So he's actually in his early twenties, 23, 24, 25, when he come becomes a public figure.
0: Okay.
2: He really only was active for three or four years. But he proclaimed himself <laughs> the witch finder general. Okay. <laughs> and he claimed to have parliamentary authority. That he had been given a warrant by the parliament. He hadn't been. Um. There's there's a lot of speculation as to whether he was a, an opportunist who was doing this to make money, because he would charge a town quite a, a bit grifter. to find the. He was a grifter, <laughs> um, and the fact that he had made up his credentials and all of that seemed to lean toward that.
1: Total side grifter.
2: Of but. On the other hand, he was also the son of a, of a Puritan minister. Mm-hmm. And so there may have been some actual religious zeal involved in it, but he was in the East Anglia area of England and he came in and claimed to be the witch finder general. Um, as I said, this was, this was a completely made up title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, But he would, he used it, you know, I mean, it gave him some uh, bona fides to the local people. And again, this was in the the age long before you could just pick up the phone and call somebody and check on somebody. This was information travels at the speed of horse. That was how he was able to have an active career for about four years as the witch finder general. Now, like I said, he, he was, he was probably about 28 when he died. So he, he was a young man and he never really grew old. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he was very much. Um, oh gosh. Very much a, a witch hunter. Um, now there had been a famous witch trial case in the 1612s called the Lancaster witch trial, and uh, this is another. I said we could get into case studies of these witch trials. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could we could easily spend hours on the Lancaster witch trial, or hours on the North Berwick witch trial, or hours on Salem. Um, there have been volumes written about all of these. Um, many of which I have, because <laughs> this is this is a topic that has fascinated me for a while. So I'm trying not to get bogged down in the details of any of these things, yeah. and just talk about the general. Um, I think we've already been talking for half an hour or
0: more—about 45 minutes. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, not wanting to get bogged down in the details about you know all of this, but the thing with with Hopkins was he would he he came into the East Anglia area. And he came in saying he was, you know, had this warrant from parliament to come in and find witches and he would get the town's approval for a witch hunt. Okay. And then he would get, you know, people to make accusations against their neighbors and he'd go after them. Um, And so he he was, you know, he he was using King James's book Mm
1: -hmm. as his
2: guidebook of how to conduct witch trials. And interestingly about that, King James later in his life had actually backed off and became very skeptical of witch trials.
0: But the damage but is done now. The damage he is done. He wrote the book and
2: the book is written. Yeah. Kind of the same thing that happened with Cotton Mather in the Salem witch trials. You know, he was a minister in Boston, well respected Puritan theologian, mm-hmm. and he wrote defending the witch trials. Mainly because again, it was politically expedient. He was friends with the governor. The governor had appointed the judges for the 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 court for the witch trials and so he was writing in defense of the governor Mm. but his later writings clearly indicate that you know it hadn't been a good thing and he really didn't support it but everybody points to the treatise he wrote in defense of the witch trials and and the damage had been done
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so same sort of thing with with uh um so anyway hopkins wrote a book called the discovery of witches (laughs) okay all these guys write books (laughs) yeah um it's part of the grift and yeah (laughs) and and under english common law torturing confessions out of people was illegal yet (laughs) guess what
0: they're still doing it
2: they were doing it in the witch trials um so Hopkins also often used sleep deprivation was a big one. Um he, he he you know let's see the the swimming test based on the idea that since witches had renounced their baptism, water would reject them. Okay. So they were they were thrown in the water. So they'll float if they if they floated their witches if they sank and drowned, oops now considering the fact that the human body is naturally buoyant in the first place this is not exactly yeah. you know a, a I hadn't heard the
0: thing. baptism angle before the water yeah, rejecting they, they, them they
2: were rejecting, since they had rejected their baptism the water would reject yeah, them
0: never heard that before so
2: it's tied <laughs> into the whole okay. satanic thing and they were you know uh, searching the body for what was called a witch's tit because they would have a special place on their body where they would suckle their familiar on their blood. Okay. This was one of the accusations. Witches were supposed to have familiars that they fed their own blood. Okay. And so what's a familiar?
0: Um, or do I even a ask fam- uh,
2: yeah, a familiar was that was supposedly a spirit. Oh, a demonic okay. spirit that attached itself to a particular witch. Okay. So a witch would have a familiar, the familiar often took, this is where the, the whole idea of black cats and witches comes from. Oh, okay.
0: Well, I, the, the yeah, black cat, the black cat. I was yeah. going to, I was going to go more yeah. on the vampire thing. I was yeah. wondering if this is where vampireism came from.
2: Yeah. Black cats. Well, it's all tied together. Sure. All of these European superstitions, got oh. wrapped up into quasi Christian, uh, superstition. Okay. And so this is really you know, timely.
0: Cause I'm starting yeah. to, you know, we're heading, we're a couple of weeks out from Halloween and this, yeah. it, all this imagery is it's Halloween imagery.
2: And it's very much, you know, you had Eastern European folk superstitions, well, European folks, but you know, mm-hmm. spread throughout Europe. When we think of vampires, we're thinking about you know Bohemia and you know yeah. Eastern Europe. Um you know, Transylvania, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have that, and of course, the 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 vampire got popularized in the West in the eighteen hundreds with Bram Stoker.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that that really the vampire myth goes back in the east, but you can see the fact that he made Dracula a Transylvanian count um that he was drawing from stories he had picked up from Eastern Europe. Sure. So but these superstitions all got tied in with a a is a quasi pseudo Christian understanding yeah. of Satan and demons. So these these superstitions became Wedded to demonology
1: mm-hmm.
2: and demonic action, and so that's that's how it got the religious overtones to it. Yeah. So, like I said, the 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 witches, witch's tit, was what they called the, and it was basically what they did was they took the poor people that were accused of witchcraft, shaved them like they did Agnes Sampson up in Scotland Mm -hmm. so that they could search the body for this witch's tip. And any mole or birthmark could be, you know, Oh, there it is. We have proof right there that this person is a witch that's the sort of evidence that's being used and plus they were you know like i said, they were tortured um you know so that you know they 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 would end up confessing because i mean a good torturer can get you to admit to anything yeah um that's one of the reasons why you know torture is not considered really an infect effective interrogation method right and, uh, and, and, and so there's lots of questions about, you know, what is and isn't torture and et cetera, but confessions that are coerced are not always the most reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that in, you know, even modern criminal cases where police use unsavory tactics to, to badger someone into admitting to something they didn't do. And later it's shown they didn't do it, and but he confessed. Yeah, yeah. Agnes Sampson confessed to witchcraft too. So <laughs> that's the you know that was the sort of thing that Hopkins would do is he would come into a town. He actually had a company of men with him, soldiers, um, probably deserters from the Civil War. I can I can travel around to peaceful villages with. Hopkins, or I can actually go to battle against the Royalists where they shoot real bullets at you. Yeah. So that was the, you know, kind of the thing. So he had his, you know, company of men and they would go into a town and hunt for witches and he's responsible. He's probably the high point of English witch trials Mm -hmm. is that four or five years when, when Matthew Hopkins was going around in the countryside um doing these witch trials um and like i said his his outlines um was it his book a discovery of witches was posted in six it was published in 1647 and that again was another book that made its way into new england and was used in the New England witch trials of which Salem is the most famous. Sure. Salem wasn't the first. Um, I think the first witch trial was in Connecticut. Um, but Salem, I think was kind of the, the tail end of witch trials mm. because the excesses finally came to the public note. By the late 1600s in New England, In England, you had a large population Mm -hmm. so that, you know, witch trials, while they were known about, didn't really affect most people. And and you, you may or may not know anybody involved personally. But by the time you get to Salem and you're in New England, you're dealing with a much smaller colonial population. And you're dealing with an area, you know, where, you know, when you're accusing 200 people in Massachusetts of witchcraft, you're dealing with people people know. And so this was kind of the wake up call was the Salem witch trials. And as I said, that's, that's very much the tail end of the English witch trials. Mm -hmm. Because again, this is an English colony. These are Englishmen. These are people who were heavily influenced by the books on witchcraft hunting of the last hundred years, King James's demonology and Hopkins, the discovery of witches. So these witch hunting guides were used in the the Salem witch trials. Mm And the excesses of Salem, I I, I don't even know that Salem was the worst witch trial. I think some of Hopkins witch trials in East Anglia were probably much worse than Salem as far as loss of life and such. Sure. But something about the Salem witch trials caught the public's attention at the time. And it was really the aftermath of the Salem witch trials that brought witch trials to a close. Now, I think the last English witch trial was actually in the early 1900s. Really? Um, uh, but it it was a much different type of witch trial than okay. had been taking place in the 1600s. Okay. Um but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting topic. And and one of the reasons it's always fascinated me, especially thinking about Salem, was I have a great admiration for the Puritans. Mm-hmm. And so here you have these Puritan ministers getting caught up. Some of them, like Cotton Mather, quite famous getting caught up in this witch trial hysteria in New England. And, you know, so I've always wondered, how did these guys who are usually fairly theologically sound end up getting caught up in all this? And in my research, as I said, this is something that the Protestants had not addressed. Yeah. Nobody had searched. I mean, there's no reference outside of exodus 1822 there's no scripture reference 22 18 22, 18. yes <laughs> thou shalt not suffer a witch to live yeah. other than exodus 22 18 there isn't a lot of reference to scripture yeah in the witch hunting so you know it's 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 a denial of sola scriptura Yep. A denial of the whole, um, you know, it, it, it's it's like all the beliefs and practices of the Reformation get thrown out the window.
0: Yeah, so maybe not a outright denial, but just a blind spot. A, yeah,
2: it, yeah. It, just, it just wasn't it wasn't something they ever addressed. Sure, and it didn't. I said it wasn't until Salem that people really started taking a hard look at this, um, especially, you know, what did Exodus 22, 18 mean? And as I said, that was in a, a series of, you know, rules against pagan worship in Israel. Yeah. That, you know, it's, it's, you know, these, these were, the death penalty ascribed to all pagan worship in Israel. I mean, if somebody worshiped Baal, they were supposed to be put to death. Now, obviously it wasn't widely practiced since you end up with kings like Ahab espousing the worship of Baal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had the, the, but the, this was another prohibition against pagan worship and the witch in the Hebrew scriptures is not our modern conception of the wicked witch, which comes from Kramer, Kramer and, yeah. yeah, so it really does all trace back to this sex sex obsessed crazed monk in Germany <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mm. and again he was he was buying in and bringing in you know different folklore and stuff into his views yeah and and he really is the linchpin of the european you know 200 years of witch trials in the 1600s and the 1700s and i said you know the psalm in the 1800s but but really this this the 17th century the 1600s is the the height of witch trials but yeah it wasn't millions yeah. It, it, I don't think it ever reached not millions. Even, uh, not yeah. even close. Yeah. Um you're dealing with, you know, I mean
0: and the takeaway There were a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the the takeaway is to be much more careful with our theology. Like you said yeah. sola, sola, sola scriptura, uh, The easy for me to say. Sola scriptura. <laughs> yeah. And uh it, and it, and it does sound like this was like a lot of our problems, um, more of a political issue than a th- ecclesiastical yeah. or theological issue. Uh, yeah.
2: Like I said, yeah, I think you had political motivations behind some of it. You had um, just general um, uh, jealousies behind yeah. some of it. You know, um, some of the some of the things in the Salem witch trials seem to have been, and, and in Hopkins stuff in, you know, 40, 50 years earlier in, in East Anglia, some of it seems to have been a way of dispossessing people of their property so yep. that someone else could take over their farm. Mm-hmm. So you had, you know, material corruption, <laughs> corruption going on. You had political you know, getting rid of an, an enemy, you know, political, big or small, Yeah. you know, get rid of that neighbor you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was the, that was the sort of accusations. But probably and also had they,
0: an effect. I mean, just thinking of our own politics going on right now yeah. and a lot of the things that are going on, it's not witch trials, but there's some similarities and yeah. it has a chilling effect where people just maybe don't speak up as much as they would right, have otherwise. Right.
2: Yeah, if I oppose this, they'll accuse me of being a witch right. and they'll arrest me and they'll torture me and I'll end up being confessed and they're going to hang me in the village square. Mm-hmm. Um, that is interesting. In Europe and in Scotland, the the punishment was burning. In England, it was hanging. So the, the 19 people who were uh, executed in Salem were hung. Okay. And, well, one of them died by being pressed. Okay. This was, again, this was a man, I I don't remember his name offhand. This was a a man who was accused in the Salem witch trials who refused to confess. Okay. And so they did what they call pressing, meaning they, they laid him out on the ground, and they put a board over the top of him. A big board, picture like a sheet of plywood. Okay, it was like a like a door size board that you know. Sure. And they stacked stones on it, trying to get him to confess. Hmm. And not only did he refuse to confess, he kept telling them to add more stones. <laughs> okay. This guy was was uh, I I kind of admire him. I wish I could remember his name offhand. <laughs> I don't have it in my notes. But he was. He, I'm horrible at remembering names, so if I don't write it down, I'm going to talk about it. But uh, he was. Uh, he was being pressed to try to get a confession. Pun intended. Um, to the to the point that he he never confessed, and he ended up, you know, basically being crushed to death. Mm-hmm. Um. But he never confessed. Um, that was one of the one of the deaths but the the others were convicted so he wasn't convicted yeah you know, cuz he never he never confessed and they never finished his trial cuz he died in the torture sure others had died in the the jail um which was a wet dank Yeah, you know, a lot of these uh, several of the people were elderly that were accused in Salem and they're locked up in or the the witch trials started in February. They went almost all. They went from February of I think eight, uh, 1693 to May of 1694. Oh wow! So it was a it was over a year the witch trials in Salem, and it is trials because each person got their own trial. Um, that's why we talk about witch trials, not a witch trial. Sure. Um. And so the series of trials were being taken place and, and for over a year, but you had people locked up for months in a new England winter in unheated cellar jail cells. Mm -hmm. And so some of them died of exposure before they were ever executed. So we know that 19 people were executed. A few more had died. Uh, in the process,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: um, sadly, and so that's that's a you know it, it, like I said it was a, it was a wake up call. Um, so I've got the Salem Wikipedia article here. I'm trying to see if it doesn't say who the there's a list of names, but I'm not going to go through them all to figure it out. <laughs> But yeah, you had, you know, there's there's like a, quite a few famous witch trials through history that we could yeah. spend hours talking about any one of them. But the general phenomenon, I think, really does trace back to the imagination of Heinrich Kramer, sure, in in the late 1400s. Okay, so
0: well, it's. A- as always, interesting topic. <laughs> Thanks for uh, bringing your research in and yeah, sharing what you've been it, reading. And
2: it's something that I, I've been fascinated by for a long time. I've always yeah. enjoyed the topic. I have but a, I mean, you so mentioned. So much an, so that Amazon will show up and my wife will go, it's another witch book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the names and, uh, and I struggle with that too. And so I'll, uh. Some of it I'm going to pick up more going back and, and doing the the show editing and stuff. It's kind of the silver lining to doing the extra work on that. But
2: Yeah, I would say uh, my suggestions for the show notes would be those the, the Scottish witch trials, mm-hmm. Agnes Sampson and everything, because um, they're actually mentioned in King James' book. Um, both Malleus Maleficarum and... James's demonology are available free online.
0: Sure. They're old enough, they should be.
2: They're you know, like I said, they're five hundred years old books. So and then uh the the Lancaster witch trials, the Pendle witch trials, um Matthew Hopkins, of course, Mm -hmm. um, and then of course Salem. Those are, you know, that that would be the general things of the where to start if you want to look further into this mm. would be cool. start there,
0: sure. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll write those books down in our show notes, and then if you've got any others that you like that I can just add as a maybe an additional resource, uh, let yeah, me know. How. I would
2: say if you're looking for a book on Salem, Chadwick Hansen wrote a book called Witchcraft at Salem, and this is published. In 1969. Okay. And so it's an older book, and there are newer books on Salem, some of which have, you know, more up-to-date historical research. But the thing I like about Hansen's book is is it it was written pre-feminism.
0: Ah, yeah.
2: So it doesn't take this, you know, feminist approach to the study. Sure. And I think in, in doing that, he has given a much more balanced treatment because I have, I have books, um, you know, on Salem that are just, look how bad women have been treated, written by some feminist woman study professor mm-hmm. at some liberal university that I wonder why I bought them. You know? <laughs> um, but, the. But yeah, I would start with Hansen's book. It's okay. one of the one of the best. Um, like I said, it is a, I guess now, sixty year old book, or yeah, yeah. almost sixty years, nineteen sixty nine. So, yeah. fifty seven years old. Sure. And and so it's a, it, but that would be a good place to start. Okay. Um, for for a good balance treatment, and then there's there's one of them, uh, can't remember the author but it's it's day by day at salem and it's kind of just a straight chronology of the year and a half the witch trials were going on okay um and it doesn't it doesn't give a lot of opinionating or analysis it's just kind of this is what happened this is the day this person was accused this is the day this person went to trial and you know just kind of a small small snippet accounts of what happened that day at trial mm-hmm. um, without doing a lot of analysis or reflection on it. Okay. So for, for just a fact book, that one's really good. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, and um, several others, like I said, if I, if, if any of them I'll, I'll look through my collection and if there's anything I think that is particularly noteworthy, I'll fire, fire off a link to you.
0: Sure. Thank you. Where uh, do we go next in our Refor- English Reformation history series? Do do you have a? Well, um,
2: I think um, I think maybe we need to back up and do the English Civil War.
0: English Civil War,
2: okay. Because the the you know looking at the reign of Charles the first, James's son, which he ends up losing the English civil war and actually gets executed by parliament for treason. Okay. Um, That period of time from, from then until the restoration of the monarchy uh, until the, the glorious revolution, (laughs) which is something we can talk about. So, so I think we need to stay in the 17th century. Okay. Um, We're kind of reaching the end of English reformation history okay with all of that because by this time you know uh england is is fairly firmly protestant sure and and so but we have the whole the whole puritan thing and and the puritans rise to and fall from power in england okay um but we can talk about oliver cromwell and and uh uh, John Owen and and all of those uh, figures from the sure the English Civil War. We'll shoot for, we we uh, talk about
0: shoot for next fall on that.
2: Yeah, sure. Talk about I, I'm it. up for it. Cool.
0: <laughs> all right. Cool. All right.
2: Well, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, thanks
0: uh, for being on again. Yeah. This episode of Echo Zoe Radio was recorded in front of a live studio
1: hamster. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support.
0: That wraps up episode 186. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 186. Please also subscribe to Gene's daily show, Squirrel Chatter, which you'll find in the audio and video formats, and you'll find them all over the web, as well as at the Christian Podcast Community. And then come join me at Locals at echozoe.locals.com. You can support the ministry there, as well as interact with the community, and I look forward to seeing you there. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the November episode of Echo Zoe Radio.